And now, in studio in the stress list with me this morning, it's Sheila Miller, the BPCM. I like that. That says a whole lot faster than Ben Police Communications Manager. We'll go with that from now on. <laughs> Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here today. You've been uh, like in every newscast so far this morning because of the threat and that turned out to be a hoax at Summit High. Yep. We've started referring to me as overexposed. Um <laughs> Yes, we um, we responded to a Safe Oregon tip on Saturday evening um, uh, of a of an anonymous student from Summit High School who was planning to detonate an explosive device at the school on September 11th, and um, that threat was specific to Summit High School. It had specific time, date, location, and so you know we take all of these threats seriously. But when they have all of these facts articulated, it's important. And even more uh, important, I guess, that we that we investigate these really thoroughly. You made a comment in one of the clips that Heather got from you uh, that uh, there was a lot of eyeballs on this post, but there was only one call made to the tip line. Yeah, as far as I know, um, we only received that one Safe Oregon tip, um, and you know, this was a tip on social media that I think a lot of a lot of kiddos probably saw, and um, I think it's really important that parents and students know. Um, these are things that we really need to take seriously, and, and it's not a joke. And when you see something like that, it's really important to say something. Can you tell me what Safe Oregon tip line is? Yeah, Safe Oregon's a really neat program. Um, it's an anonymous tip line. You can reach it through a website, um, phone call. I think you can text tips to it. Um, and it uh, allows people who see something or have concerns about something, um, it's typically school-related, um, that they can reach out anonymously, report the issue, and then um, the people who run the tip line will get in contact with the school or with the police department um, in that jurisdiction. So the threat was made Saturday sometime e- afternoon, evening? We learned of the threat on Saturday evening. Okay. And the school district then had the responsibility. They worked, I assume, worked with you. That's correct. Uh, in making the decision to close school on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like the time frame was really close, though. They, they made a decision to close the school, and then the young man or young person was apprehended. That's right. You know, um, we have to be thorough in these sorts of things. And so once we learned of the tip, we had um, officers from patrol working in the evening um, and through the night to try and figure out what what the deal with it was. Uh, We then had um, school resource officers who were called in over the weekend, as well as detectives, command staff who came in and, and worked that case. Um, and they worked really closely with the school district to come up with a plan and to determine how credible this threat was. We brought in the FBI. We had to loop in the Oregon State Police because um, of the threat of um, an incendiary device. And so, um, you know, we're making all these decisions and trying to track this person down. And, and at some point, the school district has to make that decision. And they chose to close the school. And I think, um, you know, it's always better to be safe than sorry when you're dealing with um, keeping kids safe. And so um, thankfully, um, our uh, officers were able to um, figure out who had made this threat um, late Sunday evening and arrest that person. With a bomb threat then, who is it that has to come in? Is it the state? So the Oregon State Police runs what we typically know as the bomb squad. And so when we have a bomb threat or a, you know, a threat of uh, an incendiary device, we will contact the OSP ask them, uh, hey, here's the facts of our case. What do you think? Um, They then will, if they say, yes, that's something we would come over and search a building for, they then have to run it up their chain, um, get their group of people together. They're based in Salem, so it takes two hours for them to come over. Um, And so it's quite an undertaking. 
I was just thinking the common complaints of generations ago at schools was running in hallways, chewing gum, you know, things like that. And now we've got to worry about these serious issues. Well, you know, I think one of the the um, realities that we face in 2023 and we have for quite a long time is um, that school violence does exist. And um, I think we hear about it a lot more because of the Internet as well. Um, but certainly we have seen um, a lot of school shootings and other uh, school violence and uh, we owe it to our students and our staff in our schools to take all of these threats seriously and to investigate them to the best of our ability and thoroughly and, and hold the people who make those uh, threats accountable. So schools have been open for about a week, give or take. And uh, how's things going with adjusting, you know, for, for my mind, it, I didn't learn until recently that there are different school zones that have different uh, crossing rules and signs and flashing lights and yeah, we're trying to keep you on your toes, Frank. Um, no, there are three types of school zones. Uh, school started back in session at public schools um, this past Tuesday. So it's been about a week. And um, we have school zones all over uh, the city, including in front of private schools. Um, and so those school zones are, there's some that are 20 miles per hour from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, across the board. You need to slow down. There are others that are uh, 20 miles an hour when children are present. Um, and that includes on sidewalks. Um, and then there's uh, 20 miles an hour when these lights are flashing. And those are the new ones that went into effect last fall. Um, and those are typically on more busy roads. Um, you think about 27th in front of Mountain View. Um, and, and those are done, I think, my impression is, because, um, you know, those are big thoroughfares. And it's important to keep traffic moving, especially if there's not kids out and about. Um, so we've we've had a ton of uh, officers out in those school zones first two weeks. We always do. And then we will continue our traffic teams and patrol will continue to to be in those areas, um, just making sure people know it's time to slow down. One of the things I was kind of surprised to learn is that uh, uh, abandoned vehicles and parking issues make up your highest calls for service. First of all, what are those? So we get tons of calls for service, right? We get an average of, I think, between 250 and 300 calls for service a day. Um, that could be anything from an assault being you know, in progress. That could be, hey, I lost my wallet. That could be, uh, I've found a person who's passed out in the road. Um, and we get, we've already received about 2,500 calls for abandoned vehicles so far in 2023. And then if you combine that with parking complaints, which is about 1,500, we're at over 4,000 calls for service on those two issues. Um, and abandoned vehicles fall into a number of categories because, uh, again, why make it simple? Um, there is vehicles that have just been left by the side of the road, right? Somebody broke down. Maybe they'll come back for it. Maybe they won't. Um, and those are you know, can be fairly straightforward. Um, we have community service officers who, when they have time, we have 10 of them and they are busy. They take hundreds of calls for service. Um, they will go make sure the vehicle appears abandoned. They'll um, chalk the t tires and then put a notice saying you need to move this within 72 hours. And if you haven't, you're eligible for a tow. And then they'll typically come back, look and see if it's been moved. If it hasn't, they can ask for a tow. Um, then we get a lot of calls from people who um, think a car has been parked too long in their neighborhood. And once we tell, you know, contact the registered owner or leave that notice, it moves. Um, we also have people who have concerns about people who are living in their vehicles. Um, it's not illegal to be homeless. And if you are in compliance with all parking rules, right, if you move your car every three days, um, 
you don't set up a camp outside of it and all of these camping code ordinance rules, um, then you are in compliance and you're allowed to do that. Um, so we get these tons of these calls and then we get parking complaints from, you know, it could be a hazard, right? This car is parked in front of an intersection. It's blocking the stop sign. Um, we triage those. Um, if it's a hazard, if it's putting people in danger, um, if it's uh, a safety issue, we're going to respond to those much more quickly than we are to, uh, this guy parks his junker in front of my house and, uh, I don't care for it. And so we just kind of have to triage those things. What's the, the times involved in, uh, car parked in my neighborhood too long? So a car is supposed to move every three days. Um, so I can park my car in your neighborhood. I could park it in my neighborhood. I could park it anywhere I want. And as long as I move it every three days and in our, uh, city um, parking ordinance, it does not identify how far I have to move it. Uh, I just have to move it. Um, and so, you know, we do see a lot of abandoned vehicles, you know, that just kind of been left behind and are creating a nuisance in the neighborhood. Um, and we do try and tow those. But again, I think what we've been trying to explain to people is this cannot be our highest priority. Um, you know, our officers get called to, like I said, you know, hundreds of calls every day. And those things are often emergencies and they're or crimes in progress or something that's really dangerous. And um, when we're able to respond to an abandoned vehicle call, we will. Um, but I think I think most people would agree that they want officers to be available to respond to your car crash or this terrible thing that happens to you. Um and not be in the middle of uh, dealing with a parking citation and say, I'll get to that as soon as I'm done with this parking issue. Okay. Summer's about winding down, headed into uh, into fall. What uh, comes up on, on your radar here as we head that way? Well, you know, summer is a really busy time for the police department. We have so many people visiting. Um, it, you know, sometimes it feels like it doubles our population. I think most people who live here agree with that. And so we see just a ton of calls for service and, and a lot of behavior, I guess you could say, in downtown and other areas. Um, so fall tends to slow down a little bit for us, and then we get into um, into icy car season. So that's that's our next thing is, is um, reminding people to um, change out their tires and drive carefully, leave themselves more time, slow down, um, and recognize that weather means different things on the road. All right. Sheila Miller, appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thank you. She's the Bend Police Communications Manager, or as I like to call her, the BPCM. See you later. FM News 100.1, 1110 KBND.